Hey everyone, welcome to the Prince of Peace podcast, where our aim is to help you live and love like Jesus. I'm Lauren Hlaud, one of the pastors of Prince of Peace. We're glad that you're here and we hope you enjoy. I remember being so excited to celebrate my sister's 16th birthday. I was riding the school bus home that day, and I was wondering, would my sister get a car for her birthday? Probably not, but a little brother could dream, right? And I was thinking about how we would have my sister's favorite pizza. I grew up in Columbus, Ohio, so it had to be Donato's pizza, edge-to-edge pepperoni. Any Donato's fans? And I kept thinking about this fun celebration. And as the night went on, we had our pizza. And just as the cake was brought out to the table with candles flickering, mom and dad retreated back into the kitchen. And some energy began to flow out of that kitchen. Now, my mom and dad are both and were both really good people, who at the time happened to be in a really bad marriage. They never intended for it to happen this day, but my sister and I overheard the word divorce. And what unfolded in those next few moments was sort of chaotic. Mom and dad sort of left the house for a moment, and my sister followed after, and I remember sitting there at the table with half-eaten pieces of Donato's pizza and candles still flickering on the cake, trying to make sense of life now with mom and dad no longer being married. And I've come to recognize now that in that moment, I might have been alone at the table, but I was in the lap of Jesus. Let the children come. We had a lot to figure out as a family following my mom and dad's divorce. Today's sermon is really not about, I don't really want to make it about marital divorce. I want to take it somewhere else. But I do want to recognize that as we hear these words from Mark chapter 10, I am mindful that so many of us have our own stories of how divorce has impacted our families or our friends' families. Maybe you've been through a divorce and it was the worst thing you've ever gone through. The heartbreak and the heartache and the failed expectations of the hope-filled future that you had envisioned years ago. No two divorces are the same. But within all of them, there is a brokenness. Just ask the people who have gone through them themselves. Does God grieve divorce? Of course. Of course God mourns alongside of those who are going through such pain and and hardship. Every single person in this room has been impacted by divorce one way or another. Whether it's happened in your immediate family or you know somebody like one of your pastors who is a child of divorce. God 
God grieves this brokenness. But it's precisely why Christ came. It's precisely why Christ came to redeem a broken humanity. Not just for the context of divorce, but for any human brokenness. Every sign of how we as humans perpetuate the narrative of Cain and Abel, brother who cannot live with brother, whether it's divorce or it's war or it's greed or it's racial hatred, whatever it might be, whatever sign of human brokenness is evident in our life, this is why Christ has come. And so hear this, if you have been impacted by divorce or you have gone through it, it is not beyond God's redemption through the cross. God loves you full stop. When Christ called out, it is finished, he called it out for you. It is finished. The reality is, in the time Jesus did ministry, divorce looked similar yet very different than it does today. And I could preach a whole sermon about the biblical context of divorce. The Greek word here is apoluo, which means to dismiss or release or set free. Jesus seems very clear here in the Gospels that, yes, this is something God grieves. Divorce. The law given has always been given, though, biblically, to protect the vulnerable. Any law given through Scripture... The heart of it is to protect those who cannot protect themselves. Women, in the time that Jesus did ministry, had no real means to create an income for themselves, to provide for their children. And so divorce was, had implications far more reaching than they even do today, although we know that divorce is the leading cause of new poverty in America. Only second... Second to that would be medical debt. We know that divorce causes financial hardship, emotional hardship. And in biblical times, it was a matter often of life and death. And that could be a whole sermon worthy of exploring. But where my mind and where my heart have been this week is in a broader sense. It's in the broader sense of how we as Americans, and even as Christians in America, how we are all divorced. It could be said that we are living in a divorced culture, in a society of divorce and division. And this is something that God grieves. Think of how many ways people today are divided and have divorced one another to where they're no longer communicating and talking. A recent study was done in America about the effects of the pandemic and how it's impacted friendships, and it's alarming. According to this study, over 50% of American adults, due to current crises or political or societal divisions, have lost a very good friend because of ideology just during the last year and a half. Over 50% of people have lost somebody that they once considered a very good friend because they can no longer talk and communicate 
peaceably together. They've lost sight of the greater good of a friendship. I see a lot of heads nodding. Maybe you've experienced this. America is on this brink of a divorce. Anti-vax or pro-vaccination. I like to wear a mask to protect the greater good. It's about my personal freedom. There's racial divisions that are very real in our country, not to mention the political divide, where humans and people are further moving to the poles and extremes of political ideologies. We are living in a context and a culture that at least in my lifetime has never felt more divisive. And God grieves it. God grieves that we can no longer live together and have our differences and yet still communicate and ultimately find a greater good and purpose for living. Because what God knows as as the creator of all things is that we all actually want the same things. Love and peace and joy and comfort and community and belonging and purpose and yet somehow... The narrative of Cain and Abel rages on, tumbling from one generation to the next, to the next, to the next. This last week, Anthony and I uh, went to a retreat with interns and fellow supervisors, and we were led through a really great exercise at the retreat where we were reminded of the baptismal promises that we make. We make them as parents when we bring our children to the waters of baptism, But we also make them when we affirm our baptism. We make them when we are reminded of the baptismal covenant God has made with us, that we also made some intentions. Do you all remember what the first one is, the very first promise we make around those waters? I'm willing to bet you will recall some that follow. We promise to teach our children the Lord's Prayer, the Creed, and the Ten Commandments, to place in their hands the Holy Scriptures, to bring them to the Lord's table, to work for justice and peace in all the earth. All of these we, we seem to recall and remember. But the very first promise we make when we come to those waters is the one that I think we're having a hard time with now. It's to live among God's faithful people. To live among God's people. To be in community with those who see the world differently than you do. To choose to be a part of this body that Christ has made us a part of. To not further polarize ourselves and scoot towards the ends of our pews, but rather to draw in. To be made one truly through the waters, through the cross, and at the table where Jesus pours out his life for the world. You see, we believe at Prince of Peace Lutheran Church that God has a vision of restoring and mending and healing everything that's broken and fractured in the world. To kunalam, to repair and heal the world. That, of course, includes repairing and healing broken hearts and broken stories that that have transpired through marital divorce. But it also means mending and healing and repairing broken societies and broken communities where we live isolated lives in the suburbs. Isolated lives that would 
would, would, would force people to live around other people that think like them and act like them and ignore the rest of the world's problems. This is why at Prince of Peace, we are so passionate about our community and global partners. It's not just an additional thing that we do at Prince of Peace. It is an intrinsic part of who we are called to be. God's people living and loving like Jesus in our neighborhoods, in our cities, and around the world. Relational mission. Drawing close, as Cheryl so eloquently talked about, to people like Gwen. Drawing close to those who are suffering the effects of a natural disaster. Drawing close to the children in the NEST program who need a mentor. Drawing close to the family who is coming for food because they have food scarcity in their home. Drawing close to our fellow brothers and sisters who are also pilgrims on this earth trying to figure out how to live. This is God's vision for humanity. And when we support that vision, when we're all in on that vision, God does remarkable things. I've seen it year after year after year here at Prince of Peace. Now eight years that I've been a part of serving in this community, I have seen the remarkable work that you have done when you have given of your resources of course, your financial resources. Last year alone, in a pandemic year, this congregation, one by one and two by two, somehow gave away $125,000 plus to local and global partnerships. Think of the impact that this congregation had just last year. Not to mention all of the time and the ears that were listening, and the drawing close, and the holding of hands, and the praying with, and the serving alongside that happens when we serve relationally. This year, as we make our commitments towards the shared ministry that God has given us, I want you to be mindful of that impact, of the greater impact that we have together when we shake off the sickness of division that we're all marinating in and we choose to be united in those waters and by that cross and at this table. God is up to really remarkable things through really broken people like you and me. To close, I want to draw us back to Genesis chapter 2. It was a reading we read at our first service, the story of creation. And in Genesis chapter 1, at the very beginning of creation, the story we have, everything's good, right? Everything's good. God made the sky, and it was good. God made the sea, and it was good. God made the plants, and they were good. Genesis chapter 2, it's not good anymore. (laughs) It starts off by saying, uh, and it was not good for Adama, Adam, which literally means man of the, the ground, the dust, man of the earth. It was not good for him to be alone. And this is actually a comical reading, if you will. Because he, imagine if this was like a children's play or a children's book or Veggie Tales. Remember those? We're told that God brings every creature of the earth next to Adam, Adama, to find a, a suitable helper, partner, companion. Can you imagine? Here comes the cow, moo. Uh, no, not going to work. Like, uh, cows are great, but not going to be, not, you know. 
don't feel the community there with the cow. And then here comes the chicken. And then comes the dogs. And then comes the snakes. And Adam gets freaked out and runs away. It isn't until one, one of his own, when God forms Eve, that we see the fullness of creation. It isn't until that moment that it's good again. Until Adam has somebody who's just like him and equal to steward and care for the earth with. Now there can be a whole sermon there about marriage and companionship and love, but it's also an illustration of humanity's call and purpose at large to be a communal people. They are called to steward and care. They're given a mission to serve the earth. So what kind of church will we be? What kind of congregation will we be doing ministry in Loveland, Ohio, in the United States of America, during a long season of polarization, division, hatred, tribalism, camping up on the brink of a societal divorce? Will we be a congregation that feeds into that? Or will we be God's people? The church washed in the waters of baptism, forgiven for all of our sin, raised up to new life on the third day, united under the cross and fed at the table with Christ's very self, poured out and broken for the life of the world. I know what kind of church you are, and I know what kind of church we are called to be. Thanks be to God that you are a gospel community that takes seriously our mandate to live and love like Jesus for the sake of the world. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Prince of Peace podcast. I hope that today's message has brought comfort and inspiration to your life. Have a great rest of the week.